blessing to now come before the Lord uh, to open his word together. We have been blessed by our great God and Savior Jesus Christ as we continue to reflect on what he has done for us. Indeed we come with thankful heart, aren't we? And as we come to this Day, even as we are going to look at this particular text, this is one of the remarkable events in the Christian faith that has been described as so key and fundamental. One of the men by the name of Martin Luther would say that our Lord has written the promise of the resurrection not in words alone but in every leaf in spring time meaning the creation testifies to this glorious day that we join together so turn with me in your bibles the book of john chapter 19 and we will look at the story of the resurrection as recorded by one of the eyewitnesses John himself and in honor for the reading of God's Word I would like to ask you to stand on your feet as we read from verse 1 all the way to verse 29 John chapter 20 verse 1 to 29 behold what a morning Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, Eri. While it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the first cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed for as yet 
they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead then the disciples went back to their homes but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept she stood to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain one on the head and the one at the feet they said to her woman why are you weeping she said to them they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him having said this she turned around and she saw Jesus standing but she did not know that it was Jesus and Jesus said to her woman why are you weeping who are you seeking supposing him to be the gardener she said to him sir if you have carried him away tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away Jesus said to her Mary she turned and said to him in Aramaic Rabon which means teacher Jesus said to her do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father but go to my brothers and say to them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her she was rejoicing verse 19 and on the evening on that day the first day of the week the doors behind locked where the disciples were where for fear of the Jews Jesus came and he stood among them and said to them peace be with you when he had said this he showed them his hands and his side then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord Jesus said to them again peace be with you as the father has sent me even so I am sending you and when he said this he breathed on them and said to them receive the Holy Spirit if you forgive the sins of men of any they are forgiven them if you withhold forgiveness from any it is withheld now Thomas one of the twelve called the twin was not with them then when Jesus came verse 25 so the other disciples told him we have seen the Lord but he said to them unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side I will never believe eight days later his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them although the doors were locked Jesus came stood among them and said peace be with you then he said to Thomas put your fingers finger here and see my hands and put your hands and place it in my side do not disbelieve but believe Thomas answered my Lord and my God Jesus said to him 
Have you believed? Because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. Amen. Behold what a morning. Full of drama, full of sorrow, full of excitement. Beloved, here we have an account of the resurrection of Christ. The scriptures are clear that the resurrection of Jesus is both a matter of fact and a matter of faith. It is the historic fact that Jesus Christ alone rose from the grave. And aware of the weightiness of this particular account, because I'm very much aware as I look at the disciples and I see their incapacity and inability and their and that they are unable to understand, even to comprehend what was happening or what was said, even as we see in verse 9 of this account, the Bible tells us they did not understand the scriptures. Aware of this predicament that some of you seated here have heard of this account and yet you have not seen the significance of it. Aware also of the tendencies of my own heart to be familiar to the scriptures but I'm unable to understand what the Lord is saying in the scriptures. Even to this particular matter, of importance as John Aristotle would say that Christianity is in its very essence a resurrection religion. The concept of resurrection lies at its heart. If you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. So this is a key issue. This is a cardinal issue. Your faith rises and falls on this particular teaching. But aware of my own insufficiency even to teach this particular text, I want us to come before the Lord and to pray. And I want you also to come before the Father that through the Holy Spirit, He may once again open afresh this text to us. Can we do that? Let's ask the Father to help us. We come this morning, Father, like those Gentiles in the book of John, chapter 18. We want to see Christ. Aware that your word is spiritual and we are carnal, and your spiritual word is spiritually discerned. We ask that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to understand the scriptures. Like those men on the road to a mouse would speak about you, to you, yet their eyes were still closed. 
we don't want to do that. May our hearts burn within us as we see this account. May our hearts be gladdened as we read this account. So I pray for clarity. You give me clarity. Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus. Lead and guide us into all truth. Comfort those who've been afflicted. Gladden the hearts of those who are in a season of sorrow. Save the sinners. Sanctify the saints. It is in your glorious name we ask. May God's people say amen. Behold, what a morning. We have looked at our Redeemer and our Savior from the book of John, chapter 19, in the day just gone by. And we saw a Savior, one who submitted himself and was crucified. And John, as one of the eyewitnesses, would come to us and give us this account as he continues that narrative. He gives us his synopsis, proving to us that Jesus died a death like a normal human being. Pierced on his side, water and blood gushed out from his side. But here we come at the foot of the cross and we find ourselves as John records here in this garden where Jesus Christ was laid and we find here that he is not there and there are four things that I want us to behold as we are presented with this account by John the Baptist is it no this is John the Apostle John the Baptist by this time is long gone. His head was chopped. The man who announced the coming of this Messiah, he's no longer on the scene. But this John, the man who walked with Jesus, loved Jesus, and was there to the day that he was being crucified, he stands therefore and gives us this account and shows us four things. The first thing we see is that the disciples were curious yet they were confused that's the first thing we see in this particular passage we are told from verse 1 now on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene she was also one of the eyewitnesses Luke records for us and tells us who this woman was and we Luke tells us that as Jesus Christ was being laid to the grave Mary Magdalene and some of her friends they were watching and they were looking where Jesus Christ was being laid so she comes as it would as one of the women who was among us the disciples of Jesus disciple simply means a follower a student so she has been one of those students of Jesus and I'm going to come to introduce us to who she really is 
So she comes to the tomb and as she came to the tomb early in the morning before the sun could rise, while it was still dark, we are told, she saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. That's the first thing she sees. And according to John, John does not tell us whether Mary went into the tomb, but John continues to say, and he singles out only this woman, and I'll tell you the reason why. Because Luke tells us that they were not, it was not just Mary. You remember that? Luke actually tells us that it was not just this particular woman who went out in the morning. She went out with her friends. But John singles out this particular woman and upon seeing this empty tomb this woman we are told in verse 2 that then she went she went to the disciples Simon Peter remember Simon Peter he few days ago had just denied Jesus three times And they're there. The Bible tells us where they are. They are in this house. At this particular time, they have closed their doors. Verse 19 tells us that they have closed their doors. They, they, they had a self-inflicted, imposed lockdown. Not for fear of Corona, no. For fear of the Jews. Verse 19 tells us that don't we so they're there and John is painting for us the atmosphere the mood among us the disciples and they are fearful in that same state of fear these women they rise early in the morning to anoint the body of Jesus presumably to embalm the body of Jesus supposing that he is still dead so they came to the tomb and upon arrival they find this tomb empty presumably as these women are returning these men are locked down and maybe they are just waking up because we are told that these women left so early when it was still dark and the women came running banged the door found these men with sorrow amazement and wonder she tells Peter and the other disciple John tells us the one whom Jesus Christ loved he is so humble that he's not trying to tell us that it was him and Mary says to them they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him so Peter rises up out with them and quickly they start running but it looks like this marathon one is swifter than the other so they start running they start running until they reach the tomb and John outran Peter but John has to wait for Peter as the leader of the group to lead the way to see if the Savior is really been taken. The disciples are at this point um, curious and they are confused. 
They, they look at the, the, the work of God, but in their minds they are confused at this work of God. This to them has become a crime scene. Do you see that? Jesus has been stolen. To them this was a crime scene. Things in their minds, the things are turning from bad to worse. Not only was their master rejected, now his body has been robbed. Not only was his body crucified with the robbers on the cross, no, now his body has been robbed from the grave. All their hopes dust. They are overwhelmed by despair and grief. The disciples, beloved, they were engulfed by gloom. They had left everything to follow this one. They had been putting and spinning all their hopes on him as the Messiah. But now he was executed. To make matters worse, he is now robbed. No longer to be found in the grave. On top of the shock of watching Jesus dying simply on the cross, Peter now comes the grave he can't believe what he is seeing wrestling with his own failure in denying the Lord so he enters the tomb not as one who is rejoicing I want you not to think like that he is entering as one who feels this sense of failure he has this sense of guilt that he has betrayed his master he had abandoned him at a crucial hour, a few days before his crucifixion, it is not even a week, he had told him, you would deny me three times. And the night after that, I had denied him. And as Peter comes, he sees the cloth and he remembers that I denied him. Maybe I would have done better. Maybe we would have guarded his body well. It's now stolen. Verse 10 tells us, isn't it? They have stolen him. So they went back home. Overwhelmed by despair and grief. You, 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 you can feel the deep disappointment in the words of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. As you read the book of Luke chapter 24, they, they had hopes Listen to what they say in Luke 24 verses 42, verses 21. But we were hoping that it, it, was, it, was, it was he who is going to redeem Israel, they said. We were hoping. That tells you that as, as these men went back to find their friends, Peter and John included, they narrated this story. Now, there is this Thinking within them, yes, we've betrayed our Savior. We, we, we followed him, but now our hopes, it's getting from bad to worse. We were hoping that he was to redeem Israel. Now the Redeemer has been robbed. Their minds are confused by the work of God. 
their hearts and their eyes. Their eyes are concealed even to remember even the word and the words of Christ himself. He had been speaking, didn't he? Everything that's happening around them, it's clouding their understanding to the scriptures. Everything that's happening, it's clouding their understanding of who this Jesus is. Their memory is now shattered. It's as though the stealing of the body from the grave, it's somehow as though everything they had hoped for, now all that hope is lost. Forgetting that actually from the beginning of the ministry of Jesus in John chapter 2, he had said these words. You remember? John 2, verse 19 to 21, he said these words. Jesus said to the Pharisees, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. Verse 20, that's in chapter 2, by the way, not chapter 19. In chapter 2, then the Jews therefore said, it took 40, 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up only in three days. Verse 21, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. You may say, yeah, but that's him speaking. Maybe they, they are forgotten, but no, they were also exposed to the Old Testament. Listen to what Isaiah has to say concerning this Jesus. Isaiah 53, the verse that we also pondered upon when we came here on Friday. Listen to what Isaiah has to say. From verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. He put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offsprings. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Out of his anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to accomplish righteousness. And he shall bear their iniquities. What else is God going to do? Verse 12. Therefore, I will divide his, him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Why? Because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. What does verse 9 say of chapter 53? They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. This is 700 years before Jesus came on the scene. Psalm chapter 2 speaks of the resurrection of Jesus. No wonder when Jesus Christ then meets with the men on the road to a mouse. You can read this when you get home. In the book of Luke chapter 24, verse 21 to 34, he rebukes them. He has no kind words for them. Why? Not only are these men's hearts confused of the work which God had done, but their eyes are also concealed that they do not understand the scriptures 
They do not understand the word of God. Listen to what then Christ does on these two men on the road to a mouse. The Bible tells us this. Jesus Christ comes to them, verse 25, and he said to them, Oh, foolish ones of slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things? Enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they argued strongly saying, stay with us for it is towards evening and, and the day is now fast spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table fellowshipping with them, listen then, the Bible says this, he took the bread and he blessed and broke it, gave it to them. Verse 31, Listen to verse 31, key. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. He opened their eyes. They could not understand the work of God and they could not understand the word of God. Here's my point. For us to understand the scriptures, for us to understand Christ, it takes the sovereign work of God in order for us that in the midst of even that which may seem to be chaotic, that we should be able to understand his word. It is a sovereign work of God. It is not the way sometimes what we see is that we would come to situations and circumstances and we are also clouded with emotions and turmoil that we are unable even to understand what God is doing, don't we? So we are confused and curious not even to understand the work of God and to understand the word of God. Even to come to comprehend like the verse we love, Romans 8, 28, that God causes all things to work together for his good. We don't understand the works of God unless in his sovereign grace he would open our eyes. That is what is happening with these men. So they go home confused behold this morning when the disciples confusion now this confusion that they do have they do not understand the scriptures they do not understand the work of God but secondly what I want us to behold here in verse number 11 to 18 because the narrative continues what else, what else are we going to see here in this beautiful morning we seeing this beautiful morning that sorrow here is turned to joy. Verse 11 introduces to us this Mary Magadri. The men have gone home, shattered, guilty, 
but John picks on this woman John picks on this woman verse number 11 this woman stood and she's weeping this woman stood and she's weeping outside the tomb she wept John tells us she stooped to look into the tomb we are told now as she's there intently looking this woman as she's in this moment of sorrow we see here that there's grief and despair in the tears of Mary Magdalene the, the Greek word actually used here for Mary's weeping she's weeping loud uncontrollably whirling she was despondent that not only had Jesus Christ died but now she thought they had taken him away she feels shuddered here is a woman full of sorrow like rightly so who is she Luke chapter 8 tells us who she is in order for you to understand why is this woman of all the men who were there why is she standing there the Bible tells us this we hear in the Bible who she is and you will see how beautiful then this account is written because John is the apostle of love John here is telling us and is showing us that this woman surely and truly loved Jesus but what is it that made this woman to love Jesus in this manner we are told in the book of Luke chapter 8 verse 2 that she had seven demons that's what we are taught that's the first mention of her name she is a woman with seven demons she's a woman under the total dominion of satanic powers let's put it like that there is no biblical evidence for, 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 that is commonly held as well that this woman may be the same woman that comes to Jesus Christ and is called a prostitute. But still, she was under demonic powers. She did not have a clean life. She had been rescued by Jesus Christ from her horrible life, from this life that was under the dominion of sin. She is recorded as the first woman to, to whom Jesus Christ revealed himself after resurrection. She was not a especially important person in the society of the day. She was not as a woman. In that culture, women were not considered as reliable witnesses in court either. You would think that the Lord maybe would have picked Peter, James, and John as the first witnesses to his resurrection. That's why you would put it on your list. Who amongst these disciples should Jesus Christ appear first? Maybe you would say, Peter, yes. Not so. He came, left the tomb, went home. John, not so. He came, went in. He tells us in verse number 8, he believed. He saw, he believed, and he left. No. Or maybe among us the women, let's bring in the women. Who among us the women should Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior, appear to? Maybe his mother, Mary. Right? Venerated by the Catholics. That's not the Mary here in question. No. Or maybe the Mary of Bethany, the brother or the, the sister of Lazarus. 
not that one. It's Mary Magdalene. She's the first one. She's sorrowful. She was forgiven much, and she loved much. She loved the Savior. She is seeking for the Savior. The fact that the Lord revealed Himself first to Mary Magdalene shows a ray of hope for every person struggling with sin, every woman who is guilt in sin, everyone outcast in the society. It is to this woman, under the domain of Satan, that the Savior comes to. Isn't he the same gentle savior who rescued and who rescues the insignificant, the demon-possessed possessed woman from her life of sin? And he chose her to be the first witness of the resurrection. And as the savior comes to this woman, the sorrow of this woman is turned to joy. And I, was, I want us to examine in this particular section, verse 11 to verse 18, because Jesus Christ asked Mary, verse 15, look at verse 15, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Two questions. The second question, who are you seeking? In this time of sorrow, as, as everything seems like it's dark and it's gloom, rightly so, the disciples are confused. This woman is conflicted and at this time she's in anguish. In the state of confusion, we hear that she stooped and she looked into the tomb where she saw two angels in white sitting on one on the head, another one on the feet where Jesus' body was laying. They are asking this woman this question, woman, why are you weeping? It is as though these angels are puzzled by this woman's tears. And Luke will rightly tell us, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Why are you weeping? And Jesus repeats the same question, isn't he? But yet he adds another one. Whom do you seek? So they are not asking those questions to gain some information. They are not asking these questions to gain some clarity. No, they are asking these questions because they wanted Mary. And Jesus was asking this question and posing this question. He wants Mary to think about the implication of these two questions. And you and I would do very well to, 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 to ask ourselves this particular question. Why am I saying that? Because death is with us. Christ suffered, died. Why? Because of sin. Jesus' resurrection from the dead proves that his sacrifice has been accepted. But we need to ask the question, why was his sacrifice offered? It was offered for sinners like you and I because there is this enemy called death. And death is a reality. And when death comes, 
we too, like the disciples, we will be confused. We will be curious, unable to understand the work of God and the word of God, aren't we? We too will weep and we will mourn like Mary if and when we do lose our loved ones. But the question must be, these two questions are very vital and I found them very applicable. They really ministered to my soul. Why are you mourning? Why are you weeping? And in order for us to ponder and to reflect these questions as we answer, they will teach us on how we are to even accept and reflect in terms of death and in terms of sorrow. We weep. The first reason why we weep, we weep uh, because of sorrow, but it, we need, we need to process these sorrows in light of Jesus resurrection that's what we need B because as the messiah came as he was inflicted and as he died mary loved this savior she loved him but yet now he is no longer there but her mind is clouded by sorrow her mind is crowded with grief and she is unable to comprehend, even to hear the voice of the Savior who is near her, even as he is asking her this question, why are you weeping? Beloved in the Lord, I want you to see here that Mary's experience reveals to us that we often go through sorrow, don't we? But yet we need to process that sorrow in light of the resurrection of the Savior. Because for many sake here, what it fills our heart is a mind of disappointment and misunderstanding. She's very disappointed, deeply disappointed. The shock of the crucifixion. Now the fact that she wanted to finish embalming Jesus, but he's not there. In her mind, she might have been thinking, if only I knew where they laid him, I could finish embalming him. But she didn't understand the big picture, which included Jesus' resurrection. She, she's disappointed. Would have done better. Don't we feel like that sometimes? If we lose our loved ones? Maybe, maybe if, if they, 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 they would have gone to that hospital, maybe it would have been better. Maybe if we would have said some words, maybe we do not pray enough because these are people we do love, isn't it? But we are disappointed because we do not understand the big picture of what God is doing. We are disappointed because God isn't working as we think he needs to work. It seems that his promises are not true. 
But beloved, as we sit and we reflect, we begin to perceive that God's perspective is not our perspective. His ways are not our ways. So if we would take our disappointments in the midst of sorrow, as Mary is coming here, she expected to find a savior. She considers the Romans to be the perpetrators of this robbery. Because to Mary's mind and heart, this was none other than a crime scene. They have taken him. And guess what? Among us, the perpetrators is there. Who is he? Look at verse number 15 and 16. The Bible tells us she's weeping. Jesus is asking her, who are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. I will take him away. Even when Christ is speaking to Mary, Mary is unable to know that this is Jesus Christ speaking to her. Even when Jesus Christ is asking her these questions, Mary is unable to respond to the questions. She looks at Jesus as the perpetrator. It is you. She too cannot understand the work of God. She too cannot remember the works of Jesus. Yet, we see here that it is that Mary loved Jesus. And when Jesus calls her name, look at verse 16. Jesus Say to her, Mary. She turned, said in Aramaic, Rabon, which means teacher. He called her by name. She was weeping uncontrollably. She was mourning for this one she loved. Rightly so. But this one she is mourning for is the author and the giver of life. This one that she is mourning for is the Alpha and the Omega. This one that she is mourning for, he is the way, the truth, and the life. This one that she is mourning for is the one who has said in the same book of John, chapter 10, verse 9 to 10, ah, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life to the full. This one she is weeping for is the one who is saying, John 14 verses 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it was not so, I would not have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you might be also. But the cross maybe was not mentioned in that. Mary should remember walking with Jesus, going to the tomb of Lazarus, and Jesus, the one here, being wept, being cried for, is the one who says in John 11, verse 25, 
I am the resurrection and the life. I know the stars in the sky, each and every one of them by name. I know the hairs on your head. I know the number of sand on the seashore. I spun the earth into being. I am the beginning. I am the end. I am the author and the finisher of your faith. He stands as the master designer of all creation. It is Him, John tells us, all things were made by Him. And without Him, nothing was made. Hebrews 1 verse 3 tells us He is the exact image of the invisible God. He is the one who sustains the universe by the power of His Word. No sparrow falls from the tree to the ground without his knowledge. It is him who calls Mary by name. And he knows you by name. He knows you. So the sorrow of Mary as she is weeping, weeping brothers and sisters. We look at Mary here. She has a lot to weep for, isn't he? She's weeping over her Savior. But also you may think her past. When you look at her past, Mary had, had a lot to weep for. But her sorrow is now turned to joy. Amen. Behold, what a morning. What a morning that the sorrows of men are turned to joy. Behold, what a morning. Lastly, what do we see then in verse number 17? What do we see in this particular text? He, Jesus, tells Mary, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. He then commissions Mary, Go to my brothers you see that in verse 17 and say to them i am ascending to my father and to your father to my god and to your god go to them tell them i am ascending he does not stop there he comes to the disciples fearful confounded and in the lockdown isn't it he comes to them what does he say peace be with you in verse 19 then as proof he, he has said this he showed them his side and his hand he showed them then the disciples they were what glad their sorrow is now turned to joy they are glad that they had seen the Lord so Jesus said to them again peace in the midst of fear, he comes and he stands. Once they are there in the lockdown, doors are shut. He invades their fearful atmosphere and tells them, peace be with you. But it is no peace that you must just enjoy this peace and feast on this peace in and of yourself. But he then finishes to say, just as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. Cowards are being commissioned. Behold, what a morning. 
where sorrow is turned to joy, where fear, coward men are being commissioned. Here is Christian, the pillar, the foundation of our belief. This is the Savior who was dead and now is alive. That is the story of our redemption. That is the story of the resurrection. Without Christ the resurrection, then Christianity would have been just another sect, quick to die out. But because Christ's tomb was empty on the resurrection Sunday, believers, you and I, can now triumphantly declare, even in the face of death, we can say, death has lost its sting. Sin is subdued. The world has been overcome. Satan is trodden under our foot. Christ, who was delivered for our offenses, was now raised again for our justification that we may stand right with God the Father. There is no need to fear. In life and in death, Jesus Christ then remains our hope. He remains our assurance. It is him who was the theme of the apostles' preaching. You wonder why the apostles would go on to preach and they would die. You wonder why you hear of martyrs, men and women being killed, slaughtered, even those who are being killed in the northern part of Mozambique. Why are they being persecuted? Why are they willing to lay down their lives? It is because of this that Jesus rose again. But as Christ would say, I am the resurrection, I am the life. Do you believe this? May God help us that he will turn our sorrows into joy. May God help us that he will turn our cowardice into courage, that we may go forth not in our own power, but in the power of this resurrected Savior. And it is him who turns hearts of men to himself. Why? Because he has conquered even over death. He is able to conquer over your fear, and he's able to conquer even your stubborn heart. Once you come to him, Rejoice in Him. Find peace in Him. And He will accept you even this morning. Let's bow our heads and we pray. Our glorious Savior, we rejoice in You. We need in your death, you have satisfied the wrath of the Holy God. And this morning we rejoice in knowing that the tomb is empty. You have not left a shrine for us to go to and to worship. No. You have risen. You did not leave your bones so that we may in some reason venerate you. No, you did not. You are risen. We have hope beyond the grave. Therefore, we can even in times of death still stand and say with the psalmist, You are our shepherd. You are with us. You will lead and guide us into the paths of righteousness. So therefore, we do not lose hope. That even in the face of suffering, we may too be encouraged in knowing 
that the same God who raised again from the dead, our Lord and our Savior Jesus, who raised us to the newness of life. So I pray if there are some among us who are in time of sorrow, sorrow because of their sin, sorrow because they have lost their loved one, sorrow because of any moment of grief and trial. May we find hope and encouragement in you. It is for your glory and for the joy of your people. We ask this. May God's people say amen. We want to, this, at this point in time, to, as a climax, to remember. To remember the triumph. To remember the victory of our Savior Jesus. So you've received these elements as you entered on the door. And if you have believed in this Jesus we are talking about, and you have not received these elements, I would love you to uh, raise your hand that uh, they may bring uh, the elements to you. Bible in the book of Luke chapter twenty-two. Luke records in verse fourteen, and when the hour came, he speaking of Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles were with him he said to them I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer for I tell you I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God in verse 17 we are told and he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he, divide, he said, take this, divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So remembering that our Lord and our Savior is coming again, he has, he has conquered before we partake of the bread, listen to what he says in verse 19. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Let's partake together. Our Lord and our Master, we thank you for your body. 
broken boss. We thank you. You suffered in our place. We glorify you even in our bodies. Amen. In the same way after supper, Paul records in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, that the Lord Jesus Christ took the cup, and after giving thanks, he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together of the juice. You can remove that purple paper before you partake. Protect together. Shall we pray? Oh, glorious Redeemer, we are so thankful. Our hearts rejoice and they are glad in you for a salvation won for us. May the peace of God, the love of the Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.